Hello and welcome to another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcasts. I'm James Miller and this week I am joined by uh, Kate Langston, um, political correspondent for the Yorkshire Post. Mm. Now, what, half the regional lobby or one third of the regional <laughs> lobby as the regional <laughs> lobby <declining>. dwindles <laughs> week by week. Uh, and I am also joined, uh, it's March, it's, near, it's the last one in March and uh, she hasn't been on this month so obviously we had to have Kirsty Blackman SNP MP for Aberdeen North yes yes well done uh friend of the podcast uh, and James's favorite MP he told me so no I think I said my favorite favorite guest on the uh uh on the podcast okay close oh, my favorite MP. who is my favorite MP that's a good question Lord Selsdon's my favorite lord I've decided um <laughs> but I don't think I've got a favorite MP yet yeah, okay you can be favorite MP in the uh, until I decide if I've got any perfect answers. suits me um Let's uh, no PMQs this week. There was PMQs yesterday, but frankly, nobody was paying any attention because it was followed by Theresa May's big Brexit speech. It's supposed to be a statement; it's more of a speech. After the letter was delivered to Brussels, triggering Article Fifty and all that. Um, well, Kate, you were sitting in the press gallery. Did it feel historic? No, <laughs> I've got to say, I think there was a weird subdued PMQs that came before it, which I think just. Yeah. set an odd tone for it yeah. uh, and the speech itself was just a rehash of pretty much every line we've heard since the Lancaster House speech yeah. about Brexit and I don't know, I know there were, there were some cheers and then there were some applause or well, not applause uh, there was some applause but we'll come on, to the, come on to the naps um, later um, but yeah I don't know I think compared to all the build up we had throughout the referendum and the, the debate on legislation yesterday felt underwhelming yeah, it was a bit weird, wasn't it? It was always Brexit Day. And I was like, well, nothing's actually going to happen other than handing over a letter. Um, but um, it still felt... It still felt something... I was watching it and I thought, when she actually said it and it actually happened, then I sort of felt like, all oh, right, this is real, this is happening. Um, was it like that for you in the chamber? Yeah, I was in the chamber for PMQs. Um, and, you know, during PMQs... Twitter started saying Article 50 has been served. So, you know, it kind of felt like the PM's speech was too late. It had already happened by that point. And then she was just standing up and talking about how wonderful Britain is. Um, and it was just a bit odd, actually. Well, that's, that's not going to go down well on your, your benches, is it? Let's face it. No. How, how wonderful Britain is. I don't think it's going to go down with, with a lot of people that are, you know, sitting at home thinking, well, my life's not that great. Uh, well, that's why they voted Brexit, isn't it? You know, that's the whole point, is that Brexit's going to make Britain amazing because uh, it is. <laughs> Coming out of the European Union is not going to solve our economic system. <laughs> um, well, you say that, that's because you're talking Britain down, right? Liam, that, that, Liam Fox will tell you that he's going to go and do an amazing trade deal with New Zealand and it's going to be brilliant. Yes, because New Zealand has got so much things that they can sell and buy from us. Oh, now you're talking New Zealand to, down as well. Compared, oh, who to, else do you the, talk compared to the size of the EU. Um, yes, this is true. Uh, although, I mean, it, I don't know. We're all sitting in London being the metropolitan elite and thinking Brexit's going to be a disaster, right? Um, is there, are there positives? Did, were you convinced by Theresa May's speech? I mean, she says, you know, I believe in Britain and I'm looking at the sunny upland, uplands. Is it gonna? Is there? Can you see a, a positive route for all this? I'm I'm convinced that they're going to try their best to get what they believe is a good deal because it's in their own interest necessarily to do so. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think I, I do struggle with the bias as, as being someone who enjoyed being a member of the yeah. EU and was looking forward to a continued membership yeah. of the EU. 
Um, but I mean, there are there are some arguments where it does kind of cut through the doubt sometimes. Yeah. Uh, well, somebody said, you know, well, as the the van said on EU referendum day that was driving around Crystal Palace, there was a man blaring out to "There'll always be an England," which is true. The whole country is not going to crumble into the sea if we leave the EU, is it? I really liked how Theresa May repeatedly left the point, made the point yesterday that we're not leaving Europe. <laughs> That's geography. We can't, we can't physically um, leave Europe. You know, we're leaving the European Union. I am struggling to see anything good in this. It would be quite good to be able to zero rate VAT. On right. some things more well, easily. There we go. That is it. That that is the positive I am holding on to. Right. Everything else is um, as close to disaster as it could be. They won't be able to reduce VAT because the country is going to be busted. So <laughs> <laughs> if anything, VAT's going to go up, right? No, it might be all fine. All these amazing things we're going to trade. Um, Angus Robertson, obviously, everyone's like, "Ooh, Angus is amazing." Yesterday, as they are, every PMQ is getting a bit boring now. Um, also, because Angus is asking the same question at PMQs now. And when he got to respond to Theresa May's uh, speech or statement, he asked the same question again. Um, is this the strategy now? Is Angus Robertson just going to get up and every week say, you said you'd get a pan you know, across British agreement before you triggered Article 50, you're a big fat liar. Say, so you give us a promise, you didn't stick to it. I don't know what he's going to do in future weeks. I thought his PMQ was, was good. I thought his response to the Article 50 actually was spot on. Um, in terms the same of thing, it was the same question. It was, we are being dragged out of the European Union against our will, we voted to stay in, um, whatever you say, you've not managed to strike a deal that satisfies Scotland, in fact they've barely even responded to the Scotland thing, I, I understand they sent a letter yesterday, which is a bit late, um, responding wow. to, to Scotland's place in Europe, so like, I think, I think Theresa May made all these promises that she couldn't keep. And I think this is going to continue to be a theme of the Article 50 negotiations. Um, there's a lot of letters going around, isn't there? It's a bit weird. Lots of letters. It's a bit old-fashioned. There you go. I um, was really keen to find out which font she used. Um, it looked like Times New Roman to me. Right, that's a bit weird. Which is though, quite British. It? That's quite weird. Worrying mm. about what I mean, if it in Comic Sans, that would be amazing. Well, because, because they'd said it was going to be a seven-page letter or something, I was yeah. like, so what size is the writing going to be? How much detail are we going to get in this seven-page oh, letter? Okay. So that's why so I was you're more concerned about, about the font. size of the font than the, yeah, actual, yes. the actual font. Okay. Yeah. Good, good attention to detail I was going to say, that kind of attention to detail yeah. will get you far. <laughs> yeah, nobody else thought of that. Um, yes, it was a six-page letter. The main point of it is, uh, that's being seized upon, is this, uh, you know, give us a deal or we will withdraw our security cooperation and, you know, ha, 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 then you'll be in trouble. But David Davis has made clear that wasn't a threat. Yeah, but it was. Well, it's yes. not a threat. I mean, well, you know, it's, it's the semantic, very definition of a threat. Wow. <laughs> I mean, she didn't actually say, ah, ha, ha, you're all going to die if you don't actually give us a deal. Yeah. But you could read that into it if you were so inclined, right? It's and just not a reasonable position to take. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, it, it seems it's not a particularly clever thing if you're going into a negotiation pass, but it's true. I mean, we do, we are, like, really good at security, and they are not so good us and them, that's how it is now in post-Brexit times. Um, but it's a, it's a fair point, isn't it? You know, it gives us some sort of leverage. It is, but it's, I suppose it's one A that everyone behind the scenes knows about anyway, and therefore mm. why would you put that in such prominence in the letter that everyone's going to see? Yes. It just looks tasteless given the events of last week and also the, the events, you know, the mm. attacks that have happened all across Europe over the last 
year or so. I just think that was such a misjudged move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the timing, as you say, was particularly bad. I mean, and sending Amber Rudd out to say, "Oh, but it's in two different sentences. It's okay." <laughs> um, Amber Rudd's not not very good, is she? <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, not you know, really been very impressive as home. It strikes she me that, that terrible conference speech, and then she set oh, out yeah. to do that and made things worse. She was in Pakistan last week when you know the House of Commons was under attack. She's never a good look. It strikes me that a lot of the things yesterday they've been planning for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yet they managed to have those sentences in the letter, and you know you you have to think who read who proofread this, and then in the middle of her Brexit statement. Um, she stood up and said about how we agree with liberal democratic values. And uh, of course the whole house was in uproar. Everybody was killing themselves laughing. Poor Nick Clegg didn't know where to look. Yeah. Um, but, you know, who proofread this stuff? Uh, number 10. But not very well. <laughs> well, um, we're sitting in the room. The room next door is occupied by Tim Shipman of uh, Sunday Times, who of course wrote the book about uh, the Brexit, the Brexit book. And I mean, if you read that, you know that number 10 or indeed if you work in certainly in the media i suspect the same for mps you know that number 10 is it's just people you know <laughs> it's not they're not magic they call themselves number 10 to make it sound more authoritative if you just say some people in a building in london doesn't sound quite as impressive i've thought for a long time that jeremy corbyn needs a better proofreader he needs somebody that reads over his speeches and says <laughs> You can't say that. It's idiotic. Um, and I think Theresa May fell into some of that yesterday. Some of the, Considering it's been planned for so long, why did she not nail it? Um, is that, does that feed into this idea that there's no opposition? This is the new statesman today with this historic front page saying wanted an opposition. Mm. Um, you know, the government doesn't have to try that hard because there's nobody actually to oppose them. Other than Angus Robertson and his question, as it now turns out. He's only got one question he's going to ask for now to eternity. Angus Robertson, the SNP, and some of the Tory backbenchers. Well, yes, that's um, where the opposition's going to come from. Oh, and um, Hillary Benn's select committee. But um, even then, Hillary, so Hillary Benn had his select committee about, he's a, the, what the hell is it called? It's a Brexit committee. I don't know if it's Dex you. Not, yeah, well, okay. We'll call it, yeah, that doesn't work, does it? The Brexit committee. And uh, all the Brexiteers walked out of his committee because he's trying to get a report together saying which says you know this could be a bit tricky everybody and they didn't like it so they walked out uh, a good select committee chairman should be able to keep everybody together no i mean i suppose you could say argue that's a sign of the division that this has caused yeah. that fundamentally there are some things that aren't going to be reconciled you can't agree you know i mean you, you get reports coming out of select committees that are quite damning of, of the government and mm. um, particularly the public accounts committee always one for doing some quite feisty lines mm-hmm. and yeah they get those signed off by yes. by presumably everyone on the, on the committee but yeah perhaps, perhaps yeah it's just these divisions are irreconcilable. yeah I mean, that's interesting because of course uh, public accounts are all about saving money and mm-hmm. tories love saving money labor people will sign up to kicking the government so you can get an agreement there whereas this is such a fundamental split and it doesn't bode well for Hillary Benn apparently leading the Labour Party he's it's also a favourite to take over but if he can't keep a select committee together he's not going to be able to keep the Labour Party oh I heard Keir Starmer was favourite to take over well both of them I've heard their joint favourite which uh-huh. neither, neither of which is really going to worry Theresa May very much I, shouldn't I, I think um, there are irreconcilable differences between the Tory backbenches and the Tory frontbench and you know I think that I think that if they had produced a report that was damning the government, the Tory backbenchers might be more likely to get behind that. But a report yes. damning Brexit, they can't possibly line up with that because they've campaigned for that their entire lives. This is true. Who, who's on the Brexit committee for the SNP? 
Um, Joanna Cherry and Peter Grant. Oh, okay. Um, let's just talk about uh, identity. Ooh, I tell you why. Because here's the thing about Brexit. Um, I find myself feeling more like a Londoner now than a British person because Brexit Britain doesn't mean anything. I sort of go, this is not something that I am a part of. Um, you know, if you work for a Yorkshire paper, what's, is there an impact there in the sense that, you know, Yorkshire feels uh, apart from London or a long way from London? Obviously, you, you know, a large chunk of it are Brexit sporting London, you know, the cities weren't, obviously. Is there an impact? You know, is, does this issue had an impact in Yorkshire in terms of whether it feels more united as a, a region or more distant from London, or does it feel more connected to London, you think? Um, I think Yorkshire, I know so many regions and counties say that they've got this distinct identity, but I think yeah. Yorkshire has, historically has been one of those that kind of has the strongest feeling of, you know, we are, you know, our independent region, we are a distinct region. Um, I think there's a kind of pride that there is a, yeah. a, a, kind of, mm. there's a cultural difference between Yorkshire and, and London. Um, so I don't think. That but then Yorkshire's mad, isn't it? Because Yorkshire's like, well, they can't get a they can't get a city deal because they all hate each other within Yorkshire. They? Like <laughs> the east and west of, or is it the east and west or the north and south? Uh, it's east and west, isn't it? That uh, are like split. The like Sheffield hates Hull and stuff. Isn't it? Oh no, Hull's the, not in Yorkshire. The, the south. Hell is in East Yorkshire. Is it? Even I knew that. It's outside London. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they are. They are wrangling. There are uh, internal disputes. But um, the South Yorkshire ones, getting there. Getting there. (laughs) Although they've now they've got Chesterfield joining, so um, it's so popular that uh, people are abandoning. Ooh. The neighbouring counties. Uh, Where was Chesterfield? Have they, have they poached Chesterfield from somewhere else? Chesterfield voluntarily leapt at the opportunity to throw in their lot with this is Sheffield. Oh yeah, or well, Sheffield and South Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> that's how these places things work, right? The metro mayors they have to have a metro. So Sheffield will be the metro. Um, but yeah, I mean, I also feel into the Scottish thing. Obviously, there's lots of talk about India F two. That's what it's called. Um, but. It, like I said, when uh, Theresa May actually got up and started speaking yesterday, there was a part of me that went, all right, this is actually happening. If Scotland were ever to get its independence, would there not be a part of you that would go, oh, uh, I'm also losing something here? No. <laughs> um, no, and I've, you know, I've thought about... Because you hate England. I've, no. I've thought about identity and stuff because, you know, I'm probably Aberdonian. Before yeah. I have anything else, okay, um, and you know it's my city. I, I have more affinity with with a lot more affinity with Aberdeen than, than with Glasgow yeah. or you know Inverness or the West Coast. But um, are you I talking don't. Glasgow, just to be clear, are you talking Inverness? You're just talking. No, I'm not you're, talking. You're not bad mood today. Uh, uh, right, yeah. I'm talking Aberdeen <laughs> up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Rather than talking those places down. Um, no, I. I don't think so. I've never really felt particularly British. I've always felt, um, I don't, I, I know this kind of thing about the Scottish grievance and stuff. You know, mm. I've always felt like Westminster has never worked for us, um, and like the amount that we would gain and the the, the the amount that we've lost being a part of of the UK in terms of um, having things done to us. Um, that we didn't vote for and didn't support. Um, I've never felt a huge amount of of love for the political system. But you know, if Scotland gets its independence, I'm still only going to be um, 
five hours from my door to the door of somewhere in London. Um, you know, that's still, the, the geography is not going to change. Um, I'm still going to have as much access to, to here um, as I currently do. So the... the, the say that. We don't know, do we? We don't know. Well, border posts at Berwick and who knows, especially if Scotland goes in the EU and England's not. Although London's still going to be know. a massive hub for tourism. True. Um, you know, I'm yes, still right, going to be able visiting, to have yeah. I'm still going to be able to have the links with England that I feel like I've got right now. Um, and, you know, just because I won't, I suppose, belong in the same way. I don't feel like I belong here anyway. I still I always feel like I'm. I'm a tourist, a Scot in London. Um, yeah. You say that. I mean, obviously, if Theresa May comes a cropper and Liam Fox takes over with his amazing New Zealand trade deal, you probably put up barbed wire on the on the border and you know ban Scots and all sorts of well, SNP politicians. I'd suggest would not be very popular. I think it's a bit random. <laughs> we could really go down. I mean, there is a dark route that Brexit can take us down. It's a bit yeah. random for Westminster to suggest that they're going to make all these wonderful trade deals with every country in the world. But if Scotland goes independent, we won't make a trade deal with them. Um, considering how much of our electricity and water they buy, um, I think that you know, I think it would be a real disadvantage to them not to have a trade deal with us because you can't do without electricity and water. Well, uh, that is, <laughs> that, well, certainly water. Yes, that is that is uh, fundamentally true. Yes, we've got fairly um, good whiskey stocks in this place as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, that would all go out the window. We don't need to drink gin. No, no, <laughs> that's no. It. Oh, you remember the Scottish gin? We do, we do gin as well, yeah. We can still sell you whiskey. I mean, you know, we might charge you more, but... Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> um, well, yeah, since we're on NDRF2 and the last week, couple of weeks we've had uh, been talking about it, uh, when's it going to happen? Um, the Section 30... The Section 30? That's hey, the word. Section 30 is all... I uh, keep getting confused. This, There's sections the, and articles the and triggerings. And when's it going to so happen? Well, we have asked for it to be held between. Well, I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm not Theresa May or well, Nicola give Sturgeon. Me a prediction. Um, between autumn 2018 and spring 2019. Will it? You think it will happen then? I don't Before know. Before Brexit. I don't know. Oh yes, but you can make an intelligent I think, guess. As I a, think that like, would be the same. Stuart Sausage Boy Donaldson came on here and made a very clear prediction about when it will happen. What did he say? I can't remember. <laughs> and what the result will be. It was really profound if you can't well, even remember it. I just was um, impressed that he was willing to stick his neck out. Well, you know, I think that given the mandate that we had, and you know, I think we owe it to the Scottish people to have it then, um, because we need, you know, there's been all this talk about cliff edges and parachutes and lifeboats coming off ships oh. and things like that. So, you know, if we're going to deploy a parachute, I think then would be the sensible time to do it. Right. Okay. So you, that's when you want it to happen. That's when I wanted to. You're not willing yeah. to make a prediction. <laughs> no, I don't know. If it happens, then know. what will the result be? If it happens, then we'll be in it to win it. What will um, the result be? We wouldn't do it if we didn't think we could win. Well, what will the result be then? Then I, I don't know. <sighs> Come on. Do you think there's anything in particular that it would take to break the kind of deadlock between hmm. Holyrood and, and May saying, no, not now, no, not now? I think it's really strange. You know, the this no, not now, apparently they were... Um, they were checking it in focus groups to hear if no, not now made sense. And it just sounds like some kind of, you, you know, something that a mother would say to her kids. No, no, not now. No, not now. <laughs> um, and you think, you know, it just sounds so patronising and disparaging. And I don't understand how she thought this would play well. And the thing is, we didn't want it now. We don't want it today. Uh, we've never said we want it today. We want it, you know you know, at that point where Brexit's made clear. So I don't know what it's going to take to make... to. Theresa May has, from the moment w which she became Prime Minister, done things that I didn't expect. 
Um, so I'm not clear that I have any insight into her thinking because she constantly confounds me by doing things that I thought would be a bad thing to do. Um, so who knows what's going to happen in terms of um, Scott Ref. Indie Ref 2. Indie Ref 2, that's what it's called. Or Scott um, Or maybe it suits both sides to have a deadlock. Nicola Sturgeon can say, she won't give me my referendum. And Theresa May can say, oh, shut up, they're being annoying, I'm being all strong. And that plays to everyone's core vote and everyone's happy, really. What else can Nicola Sturgeon do apart from say... Well, she's going to tell us after Easter, isn't she? And um, that'd be fun. She's going to tell us her strategy for how she's, what she's going to do. I don't know that'd what it's be going exciting. to be. Civil disobedience? I don't, I, I assume not. Raise an army? <laughs> Raise an army, no. Okay, something less than that. Okay, uh, these are the extreme positions. It um, would be quite entertaining. Are we going to, you know, uh, Theresa May might give us vast new powers. Well, she is going to give you some new powers, isn't she? She said that. You will have, yeah, she what, said yesterday, you what, will have more she, powers what, than you've got now. Ah, she more did. powers is nonsense, just get over it. Anyway, Scottish, Scottish Parliament hasn't passed any laws for 12 months, apparently. Yes, it has. Why don't they just close down the Scottish Parliament? I don't see the point of the Scottish Parliament. I can't anymore. believe Theresa May said that, because it's been thoroughly disproven. What, they've done um, the budget? Yes. That's it. We've done the budget in the first year that's it. of, of, uh, in of, months, that's of all, a parliament. I mean, I know Scotland the is the land of milk and honey and there's nothing that needs fixing. But well, that's we would, pretty we would love some more powers. And then, powers. You know, you if we get stuff. more powers, then we could you know, pass more laws. Yeah, well, <laughs> you like, can't, like you can't only, basically. You can't only give us some of the powers and then complain when we don't pass laws. Well, just do some laws. I mean, you can, I don't know, anything. Well, what? I don't know, anything. What? Make everybody wear hats on Sundays or something just so you've got something to do. I don't know. Um, otherwise, what is the point of the Scottish Parliament? Why not just close it down and have a Scottish office? Yeah, I mean, that no, went so quite, well. No, that's quite a radical <laughs> position to take. Uh, there we go. Okay, um, we've done NDRF. We've done why the Scottish Parliament should be closed down. Um, I wait the abuse I'm going to get for that. Uh, it's just a just a, a position. Um, let's do uh, the no longer new feature, which is called "I Love Your Questions." Um, who is the person voicing the I love your questions jingle? Uh, no, I, you might get this, Kate. I think you might get this. Uh, any, uh, got a second, second bite of the cherry custard. Is it Sierra Champion? Oh, she's got it! <laughs> I can't believe it! Is it really? Yes! <laughs> That's why I came, I was going to come to you second, because she's a Yorkshire MP, I thought you might get it. Oh wow! I had two, get... two guesses, so you, you know, know why this is. This is because she's seen the prize. Look at the prize! Isn't it amazing? Oh, it's amazing! Yeah, and now you get to keep <laughs> one or more of the prizes. Oh well, that's that's spoiled things. You're gonna have to get a new person. Yeah, to do I know. It. I am. Right. Oh, I feel bad. Um, okay, well, that's fine. I've got two weeks off now. It's <laughs> Easter holidays. I'll find an MP to to revoice it. Um, no, that's impressive. That's been running for weeks now. I'm really excited. Yeah, well yeah. done you. I'm going to um, tell Callum that I've beaten him. Well, yes, okay. <laughs> well, next you've got to answer Callum's question from last week, uh, which was, who is your favourite Angus? Yeah, that's a really hard one. I think Aberdeen Angus. Oh, that's a good answer. Good answer. Very good answer. Um, you got a favourite Angus, Kate? Uh, How many Anguses could you think of? I've, I've met 
like a handful. Angus Robertson. Angus Robertson. Mooing Northern Isles MP, not Northern Isles, sorry, Western Isles MP, Angus Brendan McNeil. Roaring, he roars rather than moos, doesn't he? Uh, uh, I'll just go for him because back in my time when I was working for the Western Morning News, uh, he tabled an early day motion to protect the Cornish language. Oh. He gave me a really good interview on that one, that was fun. So oh, I'll well, there we go. Uh, uh, Angus Brendan and Aberdeen Angus, but no mention of Angus Robertson. No, Angus McNeil. Angus McNeil was the Aberdeen Nation one. Yeah, that's oh, what I said. That's Angus Brendan. Oh, he's Angus Brendan McNeil. That's Brendan how he's. Yeah, uh, people call him Angus Brendan. That's a weird <laughs> thing, apparently. It's because know. there was Angus, who's Angus Robertson, and Angus Brendan in the well, previous Well, I heard group. it was also something to do with the, when he got elected. But anyway, that's a different story, um, which I don't know if it's true, so I won't, won't repeat it here. Um, there's lots of stories about Angus Brendan that are true that could be repeated, let's face it, that are better than that. Um, okay, a uh, question for next week. Uh, not next week. Next week we've got a uh, Brexit special with the Brexits, Brexperts, Brexpert, Anand Menon of UK and a Changing Europe. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, it is exciting. Uh, recorded on a Westminster rooftop. It's very exotic. Mm. Um, and then we'll probably have a week off because it's Easter. And then we're back with Deirdre Brock. Have you got a question, Kirsty, for Deirdre Brock? Um, I quite like food-themed questions. Yeah. Um, can you ask Deirdre Brock um, what she would have from the fish and chip shop? <laughs> okay. Because uh, she's quite exotic, isn't she? Because she's Australian. Yes, she is. Um, and they probably don't have fish and chip shops. They only have Barbies, don't they? But she lives in Edinburgh, where you know they have fish and chip shops. That is true. We call them chippers in Aberdeen. They don't call them chippers in Edinburgh. Chippies. They call them chippies. Chippies, yeah. Because yeah. that's what it's called, chippers. You, uh, we're not going into rowies again, the weird things you have to eat in Aberdeen. Rowies? You, know, you get rowies from chippers in Aberdeen. Do you? you don't get rowies from chippers. Do you not? No. How, why not? Because you get macaroni pies instead. But you can get, like, a buttered roll from a chippy. <laughs> and that's basically what a rowie is. You get mealy puddings oh, in Aberdeen. No, you don't get them in Edinburgh, but you do get salt and sauce in Edinburgh. Pudding? A mealy pudding. It's a it's a white pudding. It's like um, oatmeal, and it's uh, oatmeal and fat basically mixed together and um, covered in batter and deep fried. God, I bet you know. I appreciate you are an Aberdonian, but uh, I bet the Aberdeen tourist board love you every time you come on and discuss the amazing fat treats you can buy in Aberdeen. It's brilliant. Uh, maybe maybe people love that. Maybe people in Scotland flock to Aberdeen to, to try them. Um, Right, listen, uh, so that's for Deirdre Brock in a few weeks. Yes, uh, Brexit special next week. Tune in for that. In the meantime, if you have any comments or questions, I am at Political Yeti on Twitter. I am politicalyeti at gmail.com on the email. Uh, tune in next week for yeah our Brexit special. Thank you. <laughs>